This is the BNA Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jay. And we talk about all things Nashville. Whether it's good or not. Political. Irritating. All things. Community. Thanks for being here. Well, we're recording this on April the 8th. I think it's the 8th, yeah. It's the 8th-ish. 2021, and it's been a while since we've gotten together. We did record one uh, uh, several weeks ago, maybe several months ago. uh, Hard to say. But somehow the computer ate it, and so we're back. And during a pandemic, time has no real weight no but you know we're on the we're on the flip side of that hopefully i know i got so i got my second shot day before yesterday i got mine 14 days ago so so I'm, you're like fully cool i am fully cool you now. can i you can, can give like folks hugs out. and stuff yeah right and i'm so i am now 12 days away from being normal yes um and it's uh it's really funny since we just accidentally started talking about that the our governor came out this week and made a very impassioned uh, statement mm-hmm. about being against vaccine passports. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. That seems to be a Republican talking point. Not that I've seen that anybody has really been requiring them. No, the only you know, the only people that have asked for them so far in New York state. Right. They have a state issued um vaccine identification program on your mm-hmm. phone right. so that you can go into large events right uh, madison square gardens etc right uh private companies doing what private companies do as far as i know so right. they can do whatever they want to uh, i think it's just interesting so there are no vaccine passports there are none no i've looked i searched because i want one yeah because i think oh so if i could show you legitimately that i'm vaccinated and you could know that comfortably, I think that's a win for both of us. Personally, I think what we need to do is they just need to issue a big scarlet V that we can wear on our, our shirts when we go in. So that way we know. True, I hadn't started. thought about the scarlet V. The scarlet V. I was disappointed, by the way. I went to a center in Gallatin, Tennessee at the community college there and got right. my second shot. They didn't have any vaccinated stickers. You know, most of the places I've been have not had them. I, I did I'm going to order some. I did mine at HCA, and um, there was no, there were no stickers there. Um, uh, Mary did. My wife did hers at um, the Music City Center, which I, I want to say something about that in just a minute. But um, no stickers there either. So Got it. I, I do have to say, my experiences, both of my shots, and then going with her to get hers at Music City Center, were stellar. Uh, yeah. I am. I, I have to give applause to the folks who are putting this together because one, everybody was sort of happy and glad to see you. I mean, I don't know what kind of training they did, but they were like, they were like, oh, we're so glad you're here. You it was know? like going to Chick-fil-A. Oh, it was, it was, and it was, and it was efficient and it yeah. worked and you got through quickly. And I, I mean, both the, the official site down at the Music City Center and the HCA site, HCA was doing uh, for like daycares and school teachers. Right. Uh, and I was through because of our daycare at the church. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was just a really positive experience. Yeah, I have to say on my side also, perfectly positive experience, I was first shot Lebanon at a church right um, super great it was actually kind of fun mm-hmm. they, right. I mean it was like and it was like the military some National Guard guys guiding traffic right 
then the doctor that gave me my shot was actually kind of funny. You know, cool. he's like, this is a 19, a 20, this, I'm sorry, this is a 2020 Pfizer. It yes. goes well with fish and steak. <laughs> you can enjoy this. With it. it was really fun. So I got the first shot there. Then we went to, um, to Vol State in Gallatin, got the second shot. That's and right. once again, smooth through. I was there like three hours early because my yeah. wife and I had separate appointment times. Right. They didn't care. They were they like, didn't. hey, you're here. Let's get your shot done. It's exactly. for today. I was on the same day. So well, it wasn't, the, wasn't messing up their thawing schedule. The Music City Center was really interesting. But So Mary had an appointment for her first shot and they said, come back on April 10th. We'll go, to, we'll go on Saturday. And you don't need an appointment. Just show up. Whenever you want to show oh, up. Oh, yeah. The shot. second shot thing, they've made it just like as just long like, as you're due, right? As long as you're due, just come in. We'll give you the shot. So. That's fantastic. Yeah, I had heard nothing but good things. I will say this, as I have driven downtown lately, uh, which is a whole nother conver- conversation that'll happen in a minute, but the, I think we can scale down our testing sites. Probably, because nobody's getting it. I haven't seen a living soul in the testing site at Nissan Stadium. I mean, you'll see like three cars or something. I, I think folks are going to Walgreens. You yeah, right. It's way out. easier. It's a whole lot easier. Right. You can go to Walgreens. We just, I just, they're transitioning the site um, in in Antioch mm-hmm. at the former Kmart that right. is being transitioned into a vaccination center as of this starting Monday. Right. Um, that's a great idea. We probably need to do the same thing downtown. We're making good progress. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we could do better. Nashville. I mean, Nashville's pretty close to 30%, yeah. which is... Um, on the one hand, it's great. I mean, it's it's definitely moving us into some reopening yeah. uh, protocols. However, that still means there's 70% of the 70%. folks that, that haven't been vaccinated. That haven't been vaccinated. And all of them yeah. are on Broadway right now. I think uh, so. We're recording at 11 o'clock this yeah. morning. And I assure you, there are 200 people waiting to get into Jason Aldean's without masks on. They're already we, drunk and slobbering on one another. We went down on a Saturday um, to get her test it was great and after we were done we were like well let's go walk around let's walk down to the river just because we haven't been out you yeah know, and all that kind of stuff and we were just appalled <laughs> it's <laughs> shocking it right really i mean is. for nashville it's really funny because now if only bring this up because everybody's going to think whatever everybody wants to think and i don't really care at this point but I've, i have said by the way right as a former republican and relatively conservative guy most of my life i now have both shots right my wife now has both shots. My parents now have both shots. Most of my friends now have both shots. Mm-hmm. I really don't care how Darwin sorts out the rest of them. It's really, they're available, they're free, they're safe. Something like 100 million people on the planet have now had these shots mm-hmm. for months. Guess what? Right. I will say this. I'm really, really feel an intuitive connection to Microsoft 7 now. But right. that's just probably a separate thing. Yeah, well, that's, I, he hasn't sent me any c- a command yet. I, and I, oh, say, you know. I do want to say to folks, that some of you that are, because I know there are folks that are worried, but I don't want the side effects. I hear about folks getting sick. Yeah. I can say for both me and my wife, we both had the Pfizer vaccine. Neither one of us had any adverse side effects. My arm hurt for about an hour for the first one. Yeah, my arm and hurt. nothing for the second one. I almost was worried that maybe they just gave me a placebo but right but but no side effects whatsoever and i had pfizer as well i had and i spent the day yesterday really tired mm-hmm. and a little achy um and then i woke up this morning as though nothing had happened yeah uh the johnson and johnson i hear folks 
because it's a one shot and then you're done. Right, you're getting both. I'm, I'm hearing most folks say that they're they're having a little bit of side effect, but it's worth it. You can put oh, up right. being uncomfortable for a day. Small price to pay. And so, I don't know. I, I think about that and I started this talking about Bill Lee and it's, you know, our governor talks about these things. <laughs> Which is the more important point, because right. this goes back to talking about Nashville, because it has a tremendous impact on Nashville, because there are two kinds of laws in the state mm-hmm. of Tennessee. Right. Right. There's legislation for the state. Mm-hmm. And then that's about 20 percent. Right. And then there is 80 percent of the legislation, which is to control Memphis and Nashville. Exactly. To punish Memphis and Nashville, I would say. Yeah. To Well, it's really bad that they exist. They excoriate these horrible, sinful cities. Exactly. Uh, because we don't know why. They just do. Well, it's, I mean, isn't that ultimately the division that we're facing it is that's the entire country right now it's it's cities and rural urban yeah and Um, it's southern baptist rural versus uh more oh i don't want to say open and because it's really not that it's just non-judgmental it's like when you live in a city you have to be less judgmental because you walk by 16 different faiths when you go from one bar to the next downtown you go by i mean you can't you can't harbor this singular answer to all questions yeah kind of mentality and live amongst a million people it's um yeah it'll go away you um, have no choice to, but to consider the common good you just because, have to because there's a lot of common yeah and, exactly and uh, i i do want to lift up in the midst of all this because i think it's really it was a really important article betsy phillips who writes for the nashville scene um she's a friend of mine i'll go ahead and say that but she wrote an article uh, not long ago with a weekend flooding nashville takes another hit and um what she was really talking about is Nashville's gone through a lot this year. We had a tornado. Yep. We had the straight line winds. We had a pandemic. There was a bombing. Now we've had another flood. And uh, I, I was really involved in some of the flood stuff because we ended up in our church uh, housing some homeless folks that, whose encampment was flooded out. Right. These were people that saw two or now three because they found another body. People drowned before them. Right. Um, and what she taught, what she's talking about is, so we've got this whole Nashville strong thing, you know, where we step, we step up and we uh, help other folks, um, and yet we keep watching folks that somehow think that mask wearing is not part of how we take care of one another. Right. And uh, so she 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 says, let me see if I can find this quote. Um, she says. Um, the Nashville ethos of us pitching in and helping each other is really hard to believe, really hard to believe in when we spent the past year seeing just how many people are cavalierly deciding they don't need to help. And right. so she's really kind of pushing on this idea. You know, we've we have this myth that goes back to 2010 yeah. of Nashville being this place where we care for one another and take care of our own. And, and we do in like disasters. But right. when it comes to sort of our own convenience, uh, we were a lot less. And I, I know do we do it in disasters? Isn't a pandemic a disaster? It kind of goes back to the no, right. Exactly. And we're not doing it in this. And I could argue in the 2010 floods, the myth was a lot bigger than, uh, right, than right. the reality. I wouldn't hear it. It, it depends on the location. Um, I coordinated 
flood relief out in southeast Nashville, out in Antioch. Right. Um, and I remember going to a meeting and listening to somebody from Bellevue talk about all the reasons. You know, we have this tractor trailer truck of drywall pulling up and stuff like that. And we were out like having to go to Home Double, Home Depot to buy our own masks. Right. You know? Right, right, right. Because we couldn't, nobody was sending us anything. So it right. really does depend on where you live. And it, 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 Nashville Strong sounds great to affluent people who can kind of move out of their bubble. Yeah, and I, you know, and listen, I have two friends that were directly affected by the Christmas Day bombing. Right. And we're very Nashville strong and raising money about fixing Second. Right. Second Avenue North, the location of the Christmas Day bombing, uh, is inherently affluent. Absolutely. I mean, the per square foot cost of renting or owning in downtown Nashville right now is on par with San Francisco in some areas. It's like insanely affluent. Now, it doesn't make it any less tragic. And what we really learned from that whole bombing thing was that AT&T continues to BS the state of Tennessee about how rock and ready they are to solve all of our problems. Exactly. Um, And it's, you know, it's... The legislature, back to the Bill Lee problem, right. is it? They are ready to help everyone unless the city you live in has been somehow incorporated and has like its own city council and stuff like that. I mean, right. they, it's it's been so um, just patently blatant and horrific to watch the legislature uh, come to the city of Nashville, Mm -hmm. live in incredible luxury while they're here, by the way. They all, I know where they all live because that's a long story, but I do. And the, um, so they come here and they live in the lap of luxury, get insanely drunk. Every night. uh, Every night at a small handful of places Mm -hmm. uh, and stumble hungover into the legislature the following morning to vote on some hyper Christian publicized by their pastor bill from some county that no one has ever heard of that has eight, 800 people in it. Right. And they just come in and it's, you know, this is not a, these are not for those outside of here. These are not conservative values. No, these are very specific evangelical values that, our constitution specifically separates from public life. Exactly. <laughs> so we've gone to great length to eliminate that stuff. And, and the reason that I've become to most of my conservative friends, some sort of pinko is because I still, uh, I don't think there's no separation of church and state actually in the constitution, right. but it sure does make good policy No, I think uh, that's to, right. to go forth and, and keep those things separate. And when you get into a state like Tennessee, cause I've been here now 10 years this coming month or this month, and when you see what it means, the difference between looking at our policy as a state and how it affects our city, mm-hmm. um, it is, it's so intrusive right. and mean-spirited that uh, today, and the reason I brought up Bill Lee in the first place, and then I got mm-hmm. off on my thing, but Bill Lee was like, put a statement out about his new criminal justice bill. Right. And... I always think when when Bill Lee says something that sounds nice, mm-hmm. I always feel a little bit like there's a weirdo in a van talking to children at the edge of a playground. Sure. Right. He's about to sucker you into something right. that is going to ruin the rest of your life. Yeah, pretty much. Run. Right. Run. Yeah. So anyhow. Yeah. I, I will give him a little credit on criminal justice only because I, he. Well, he believes in it. He believes in yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. He believes in it. I think he's right. For white it, people. It yeah. is. Well, that's. Yeah. Right. That's another I mean, issue. Yeah, it just is what it is, so. right? It's, the fact is that it's easy to talk about criminal justice if you're Bill Lee. Right. Because he's never even 
peripherally experienced it. Well, he did do, I will, to his credit, I will say he did do volunteer work with prisoners and stuff like that through Men of Valor and was on their board. But um, there, are, there are lots of things I could say about Men of Valor that sure, I won't say. I'm sure, yeah. they're, they're good people and their hearts are in the right place, but um, sometimes they reflect values that I don't think are necessarily as equitable as they need to they're probably just unnecessary, right? Probably. And the, the problem with what our legislature leaks into the city of Nashville mm-hmm. are things that are unnecessary. It's like we just passed this anti-trans bill. Yeah. They tried to do the same thing, and they passed it in Arkansas as well, a similar bill. Um, and Asa Hutchinson, who is as conservative, he makes Donald Trump really look like Mao Zedong. Right. The, uh, I mean, he is the most conservative person that ever drew a breath on our planet. Right. He vetoed it. They right. overrode his veto and put it into law anyway. But... It is to punish 200 people. Right. There's only 200 people that they could identify right. in the state of Arkansas that right. would be affected by any kind of trans stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. right? So this is no longer, we're not passing a law for the public good. We're passing a law to punish people we don't like. Well, and that's what we're doing now in the state of Tennessee, and we're about to sign and enter yeah. that into law. But the good news is we'll legally be able to shoot one another now that we don't have to register our guns anymore. Exactly. I, I, I have to say that um, there was a law, I think it was Janice Bowling from Tullahoma was quoted in the paper about, um, again, this is Tennessee, it was about you know, not mandating vaccinations. If you don't want to have a vaccination, you don't have to get one, which, by the way, is already the current law. Sure, it is the law, the right, yeah. right? You don't yeah. have to get one. Yeah. But she was going to, you know, you, businesses can't do well, that. That's and, the she thing. Made, and she made this co- quote that it's, it's our God-given right to not put stuff in our bodies or to to uh, to control what we know. It's our God-given right to control what we put in our bodies. Right. And I was thinking about, well, you just said that trans people can't take medications that they need. Right. Why is it not their God-given right to control what they put in their body? Or if I got really, well, I won't get really graphic about the no, other but types the, yeah, of things. Yeah, right. There's all kinds of things people can put in their body. <laughs> but the, and they have every right to do so in America. That's because exactly. we got one of those constitutions that protects it. But yeah. it is interesting that the, the dichotomy and contradictions that are consistent throughout mm-hmm. um, sort of <laughs> Southern Republican politicians. Right. Um, that are just shocking on a daily basis. Another one always comes out. But the thing that I came down to, and I think I I said this on Facebook the other day, and and you and I were Mm -hmm. commenting back and forth, but as a Christian person, Mm -hmm. my entire life, I could spend the better part of the morning Mm -hmm. quoting to you Bible verses about not being afraid. Right. And everything that is coming out of the Republican Party, uh, both nationally and locally, in the United States today is 100% fear. No joke. Fear of the known and fear of the unknown. And then they make up boogeymen to be be scared of as well. And I got to tell you guys, you need to get back to the text that you so miss, that you so regularly misquote. My, uh, yeah, you know, as a professional religious person and uh, somebody trying to lead a congregation, um, that's one of my big 
things that I keep harping on is that we are not to be afraid. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. We believe that perfect love casts out fear. So um, if you're afraid, why don't you try loving somebody? Because that right. might actually get rid of your fear. Uh, you know, I think you probably saw the headlines about a certain pastor over Mount Juliet who basically <laughs> said yeah. that, um, you know, he wasn't going to, he would, you know, they weren't going to stop having church and yep. all of his folks need to. And he went on not, January 6th. He went to Washington, D.C. Yeah, and we're going to, you know, and we're, our all my everybody here needs to take off their masks because we're not sheep kind of thing right and you know again i can tell you as the leader of a congregation in what's considered a fairly liberal and progressive city right um nobody came and said you need to shut your church down a matter of fact they you know walked all around that they were kind of like yeah we don't you know probably be good but you can do whatever you want because yeah, it's a church. It's a church, so you. Can, there is nobody coming to shut the church down. No, you know. And, and while they're there, they're not asking for your gun. Right. Exactly. And they're not telling you yeah. what you can and can't do inside your house. Right. None of this is happening. Right. It's just not None happening. None of it. And it, but if you make up one of the great things that communist leaders and totalitarians learned a long time ago, that if you can convince low IQ people to be horribly scared, mm-hmm. you can get them to do anything. You exactly. Want. And that is that is our state. We'll take a break and we'll come back and actually talk about our city. That Thanks. sounds good. Welcome back to the BNA podcast. And we're glad to be with you. And we're going to talk about, so we were going off on this rant about, because I do this all the time, because Bill Lee is like my nemesis, but the... To the city of Nashville. We did have a council meeting this week. We did. And my goodness, it's always so exciting. Are they still doing all that, that via Zoom or Teams? I think or they are online. Yes, still. Okay. Yes, I know it is because I, I, I was following uh, yeah. the Tennessean reporter on Twitter. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and so we talked about, so there's this one thing I want to bring up. Well, first of all, let's take the easy one. Mm-hmm. And maybe you know more about it than I do. But So they're going to create a Department of Transportation. Yeah. So, um, and this is part of our, our mayor's um, overall focus on transportation, about a transportation plan. And what his argument is, and I think it's a valid one, is that if you look at cities of our size um, that have transportation issues, the city will have a department that's solely focused on transportation. You know, what we have right now is we have a public works department right. that includes transportation and trash and other responsibilities as well. And so what the proposal is, is we need a department that's just focused on transportation issues, both in terms of working on roads, but also thinking about how we do other transportation issues and and as well as uh, MTA, WeGo, um, that all fits into it. Oh, so right. So this, that would be, yeah, So right. this all works sort of comprehensively with one another. So like one of the things I've always wondered is why we are not partnering WeGo with some of the rideshare services in a more direct way so that for me, if I could take a bus to somewhere downtown and then do um, um, Lyft or one of those things uh, for the last mile and kind of do that all in one big package. If it was one transaction. One transaction. Right. I would do that all the time, particularly if we're going to go down to a concert or an event. Um, we just have never had any coordination between no. all of those things. So the idea is to have a transportation tr- a department that's just focused on transportation. The problem is, is that the city charter right now doesn't allow for that. All right. So that's why the council has to make it up. So the council, basically what they're talking about doing is moving the waste management portion of it into the water department 
Um, and having public works basically become the de facto transportation. So if department. you just move trash, just move trash out. And uh, all right now, waste management going to water. It doesn't make any sense. How well, they all end up in the same place anyway. They all end up in the same place anyway. And the goal is is to do this temporary, to functionally go ahead and put this in place until we can have a charter amendment and then amend um, the charter that would then probably... So in order to amend the charter, we have to have a vote, a ballot vote? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a national thing. It would be part of an election. Uh, so we would, as citizens, would have to vote on this. And what I think the plan is, and I haven't read it as thoroughly as I should, would be the charter amendment would create a department of transportation and a department of waste, a solid okay. waste department. Got it. Because the reality is, is that trash pickup, as many of all the issues we've had with it, really has become something that probably needs to be the sole focus of a single department. Yeah, trash pickup and traffic are the two things in cities right. that everyone that touches everybody, mm-hmm. right? And we all have to. It's like the good, they always say, those are the things you run on when you're running for mayor. Exactly. So so that is what's going so, on here. There's some there's some ongoing pushback about that, and why don't we just wait? And I, I guess... Well, wouldn't you say that's the natural council person comment? I think why so. Why don't we just wait? I think so. <laughs> but I think there has been a, a good argument made for why this should be done. We'll just have to see how it pans out. Yeah, it makes sense to me. The... This all sort of ties together in the council thing because it's like the the only reason to say no to creating a new department and operating it in this way, shape and form, blah, blah, blah. That's twofold. Number one is you don't care about transportation. Right. Right. And there are a lot of council members that don't care about transportation. If you're right. from the hinterlands like our guy is in Old Hickory uh, or if you are in um, Davidson County, part of Brentwood or Bellevue or whatever – the transportation touches you so peripherally. Although, although in in our councilman's defense, I will say he does have to make the drive to downtown every day. He does, and but he so, gets to do it in whatever kind of car he wants because he's rich. Well, yeah, there is you know. that. But. So, and it's like I think about some of like the inner city council people, right? That are from inside the loop. They're touched by transportation every day because all of their constituents have some interaction with public transit, even if it's just being stuck behind a bus. Well, and the reality of Nashville, Nashville has always been a car. Well, no, it hasn't always been a car city. It was a streetcar city until General Motors came and bought the right, bought the streetcars. But since I've lived here, which is 1970, it's been a a car city. And I, I remember um, at another church I was at, I would occasionally get somebody wandering off the interstate that was homeless. That was had moved to Nashville because they were looking for work. And my first question would be, do you have a car? And they would say no. And I said, well, you're really sunk. Yeah, it's going to be tough here. <laughs> you right. know, um, our transit system, the bus system is better than it was, but it's still not Still pretty great. bad. So I, I do think there needs to be some focus given in um, a department that's coordinated around uh, where, where all of the different transportation offices uh, or needs or services right. are coordinated with one another. It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm, I'm going to hope mm-hmm. that if we're going to do something where we create a new department inside the city of Nashville, mm-hmm. my two concerns that I'll be watching over the next few council meetings are this. Mm-hmm. Are we actually going to put someone in charge of it that knows how transportation works? Right. That would be interesting. Or are we going to put someone in charge of it that did a great job of raising money for the last election? Well, isn't that the way it always works? It is kind of. I mean, it's the reason we have in the in, in Tennessee, we have this unemployment problem because we got the guy that runs it was right. an HR guy at the sub campus of a small community college in East Tennessee. 
Right. So he's overwhelmed emotionally. Right. <laughs> but we have that problem with a lot of city leaders as well, because we used to be a small town where you could have your cousin come in and run this department because there's only eight people. And, you know, pretty much anybody that could be a PTA president could probably run that department. Right. And now that's not the case. Now yeah. we have a big thing, which transitions smoothly and beautifully into the problem is budget right. and leadership. Mm-hmm. And speaking of our leadership and the budget, we got like $275 million right. from the federal government mm-hmm. for, I think this is still CARES Act money. It may be a combination of the two, I don't know, of the CARES Act and the new COVID Act. I don't know. I think but, it's, yeah, I think it But it's a lot of money. money. Right. And the what I noticed about the money, mm-hmm. which I have not researched deeply, but what I noticed about it on the media was how quickly both the council and the mayor's office got ahead of it so that no one would think that we actually get any of the money right. as citizens of Nashville, Tennessee. Right. They want to make sure we understood that, no, no, this is money that, first of all, we have to do research on what we're allowed to spend it on, which right. I understand that. Um, and then number two, they. Um, particularly the mayor's office, seemed to make a very clear point that you must remember that this is not going to change your tax increase that you got last year. Well, I mean, again, the question is, can this be used for regular operating expenses? And and honestly, can it be used to offset the tax increase? And the the answer is no. Right. It can't be used to offset the tax increase. That's for certain. I think the hard part... Although the tax increase is just money that goes into the general fund that gets spent on everything. Right. No, that's right. And we're ahead this year. One of the things that is not said in these self-same releases is that financially, the city of Nashville and the state of Tennessee have both taken in more money this year than they did in 2019. Right. And that wasn't really what people were expecting when we passed the CARES Act. And then, you know, it was like, oh. I I do think that, I mean, this is the hard part, and it's hard to get folks in the church to understand about this with our budget, is that we have an operating budget and then we have gifts that are made to other things. Right, and earmarked, so, right. Earmarked. And so, you know, I, I we've had some very prominent members of our church die this year. We've we've brought in some pretty significant gifts, uh, gifts, but you know, last week we had a hard time paying the bills because right. they were designated a certain way. They weren't we couldn't use that money for operating expenses. And so I have a thing about that and it's like because you're right in the middle of having to deal with that as right. my my dad's a preacher. So he's in the middle of dealing with that always too. At what point? Yeah. Does an amount of money donated to a nonprofit mm-hmm. that is earmarked for something that no longer exists. Right. At what point does it become okay to move it to something else? It it becomes okay when the city leaders determine, or the you know, in our case, our, our finance committee and our church council to say say, okay, we're going to use it in this way, and we're having conversations about that. But that isn't something that just happens. I can't right. say as the pastor. Maybe your dad can because it's he's a got to. Yeah, he thing. doesn't have a board. He, thing, but right? but I can't say as a pastor. Oh, we're just going to designate from that um, or at least I choose not to Uh, there are pastors that do Um, but so what I want to get at what I do know that some of the money is being used for that I think is really important is um, rental assistance because right. we really are facing an eviction crisis that's coming up here real real soon so a lot of folks again you got to remember who still hasn't 
I mean, we can talk about recovery all we want, yeah. but most of the service workers, um, you right. know, the folks that were cleaning the convention center for the big conventions and all, they're still not back at work. Right. And they are having a hard time. Not really any hope about them getting back to work. Now, I have this question, though, and I've, I've yeah. asked this in other conversations about mm-hmm. things. But so what we have is we have an unemployment enhancement. Right which provides in Tennessee $575 a week exactly. is the maximum, right. including the enhancement. Right. So it's $575 a week for the first four months, you know, after that really, really awkward first two months of the pandemic. But then we had like $600 a week on top of it, which was like $875 a week right. in maximum unemployment benefits in Tennessee. When that happened, which by the way, triggers a whole nother conversation, which I already hinted about, which the incredible uh, lack of leadership at it turns out all states are having this problem in managing how to disperse all this huge amount of money from the federal government to the people it's supposed to go to we're at 41% of the money in unemployment and enhanced unemployment benefits has reached the target at this point so that's an important thing because governments are governments and one of the reasons that old Brian was always so conservative is because governments are so bad at everything I would always be like, why let them do it? Right? Because they're so bad. But let me finish that. My yeah, thought that yeah. I went off on a nut. If we're giving people income replacement, mm-hmm. can we also at the same time then also pay the bills they're supposed to be paying with the income replacement? Right. And what is that? What are you seeing on the ground? Yeah. No. I mean, I think that that's a good point to think about. And you know, one of the things that. <laughs> So, again, I have folks coming and seeking assistance at the place that I work on a regular basis. Right. And one of our policies is we don't give you cash. We'll pay right. your rent, maybe. Uh, not always, so don't call, start calling. Right, don't start. But, yeah, don't, don't but, show uh, up. Don't so show r- up. It's a rare and generous opportunity. But, that, you know, we may okay. pay your electric bill, but we're going to pay NES directly. Right. And, um, and so I think... There is something to be said for how the the system is set up so that you can make sure that happens. Now, what I will say is that programs like the one that the Metro Action Commission now is doing, the rent assistance, right. and Metro Action has the stuff in place where they will do the interviews and all that kind of stuff and contact your landlord to pay them directly. Um, so, Doesn't all- this, though, create – maybe this comes back to, which will be a more global issue in right. our lives, but – the fact is we work with some people in, in the recovery community. We work right. with a lot of people that are on the lowest right, sure. you know, socioeconomic thing. And their biggest problem is really not money as much as it is financial education. Exactly. No, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And it's hard to mandate that. And there are churches right. and other groups that are trying to do financial education with folks that are on the edge. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's like with folks. We have a lot of folks on the streets who are let's just say they're mentally impaired in one form or another. And many of them will have a designated payee, like the courts or whatever set up. We don't send them their check directly. We send it to this person who then allocates funds for them because we know that they are unable to control their spending. I'm familiar with that program. And so I do think that doing sometimes, sometimes things like, 
um, hey, we'll pay your landlord directly. We'll, we'll cover your rent, but we're going to write the check to them. Right. Now, you still have to be careful with that. I remember getting scammed in the past where somebody called and said, yeah, yeah here's my landlord's number. And I right. called. And it was their cousin or their and brother-in-law. Their cousin, and right. I double checked the address and realized that there was no property there. You know, so there, there are... I think that's always take advantage. I will say this, but I don't worry about that so much. You know, the scamming problem, especially with the government, I don't care. I mean, if the government gets scammed a little bit, nobody, the government got scammed out of $3 trillion on a, uh, on the stealth fighter jet. So, you know, the scamming is going to happen at all levels. So it's like, oh, I can't believe. And this was the thing that pissed me off through the whole pandemic. It was like, you got Mitch McConnell who married a woman worth a hundred million dollars standing on the floor of the, of the Senate going like, well, we're giving people more money than they were making when they were at work. And it's like, well, who gives a shit about that? Exactly. I mean, so some poor homeless, or not homeless, but some poor working mother in a trailer mm-hmm. in Grayson, Kentucky, got a little bit of a bonus right. from being an American right. for like four months. She got more money than she would have gotten by working at the diner where she could contract the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like, I don't care if the government overpays humans. Right. I care if the government overpays Boeing. Right. Right? I don't, let's worry about something that matters. Exactly. Right? So I don't worry about that. But what I do see in the scenario that we're currently facing in Nashville mm-hmm. is, like you said, there's an application and interview process. Right. The one thing the government cannot manage mm-hmm. is an application and interview process. Uh, because... It, yeah, I agree with you, but I also think that's because we don't enable them to do that. Oh, for sure, so, so, I could so I could we, oversee it. Let me, let and me, it would happen in a matter. It would take me six yeah. minutes to so, run somebody through that. So let's talk about you know a few minutes ago we talked about the our experiences of the vaccinations, right? And they were efficient and they were well run and we had good experiences and they were government run programs. And yeah, for the most part. Yeah, for the for the most part, they're government run programs. The, the reality they, are, is, are they run by Meharry? Who's running them Meharry, actually? Well, uh, Meharry runs some. Uh, the one downtown is Metro Health Department. Okay, and actually they're getting FEMA assistance. They're getting some FEMA right, assistance right, right. along the way. But all that's to say they've been given the money to be able to do this and and they're being able. To, to do it efficiently. You know, it's it's like with the, you know, what's the problem with um, unemployment in Tennessee? Well, we're running on computers that go back to the 1950s. Oh, absolutely. Know? They're you running know? on you whatever know, it's, it's called. Because we are not, COBOL or we're not, a broader issue, but we've, yeah. we've so cut infrastructure spending. Correct. That we don't have the, ex- with the government. There is that, and, and the so, mentality in the South that your goal, right. if you work for the government, is to make sure somebody doesn't get something. Exactly. Right, and it's always the goal. Like So when you deal with, and I went through the unemployment thing in the early right. part of the pandemic, and it was like, the goal of the process was very clearly defined. Right. To make sure that you didn't accidentally get money you weren't due. There's like right. enough fraud disclosures on right. the front page of the Tennessee Department of Labor and Workforce Development. It's right. like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going into Fort Knox with exactly. the with a you know with cargo pants the fact of the matter is that the mentality that we need to desperately avoid accidentally giving a poor african-american mother of three that works two jobs an extra three hundred dollars is is the real problem right right? so and i so i am concerned about that a little bit i listen i think that our rental assistant thing is going to go fine i'm concerned about um 
the I'm concerned about where it leaves us, because what we do is we we have a tendency to come in and spot fix problems that are really long term issues. Right. The fact that the pandemic is going on, you got a bunch of people out of work. Um, the fact, by the way, that the unemployment system doesn't work is a problem. As my daughter, my oldest daughter is a doctor and she was talking about the fact that where she was working, she said she guaranteed me. A hundred percent of the patients that came in had COVID-19. Right. None of them would accept a test because if they took the test and it was positive, they couldn't go to work. Right. Now, that's a failure of the system, both in the way it's applied and the way it's marketed. Right. Right. We needed to understand at the beginning when Mitch McConnell was going off on his rants about, oh, somebody's going to accidentally get extra money. Mm -hmm. That was the point. The point is we were trying to pay people enough money to stay home until we could figure out what was going on with the corona. We weren't paying them. It wasn't supposed to be parity. Right. Right. And so anyhow, I, I worry about that with coming in and giving somebody a couple of months of right. rent and not doing like the mental health cooperative. I know oversees right. some f um, financial management for people that are deemed unable to do so. Mm -hmm. So when they're deemed unable to do so, uh, mental health cooperative, some staff members there do what they will pay the rent. They'll pay your electric bill and your phone bill and all that kind of stuff. Make sure that you're getting all this stuff that you're supposed to go on. And I'm like. Isn't everyone on government assistance entitled to that same thing? No. And why not? And I, you know. So I, my fear around the 275 million or however much it is, um, it, it, again, is making sure it gets to the places it's really needed. And I was in a, um, I, I participate in this conference call every week with a bunch of African-American pastors, this group called the Interdenominational Ministers Fund. And one of the things they were talking about there was trying to, you know, there's this commission that's been set up to kind of look at how we spend the money. And it's a bit, you know, mayor, mayoral yeah, right. thing. Um, but they talked about trying to get the council to pass what they called an equity lens. And what they're looking at in that is how is this money available to the underserved communities as much? So, so their concern is, and this is the typical Nashville way, is that um, the convention and visitors in corporation will come in and say, well, we deserve that money because we took the biggest hit. Now, when you look at the people, the number of people that actually came downtown, did we have the conventions that we had? Did we lose the CMA Fest? Yeah, I get it. But, you know, the, most of the honky tonks were still running pretty full. There so, were very, very few so, weeks when so, there wasn't some commerce going on downtown. So is that, given the 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 financial model they're functioning under, do they really need it? Or do we need to look at North Nashville that really hasn't recovered since the tornado because they got, had a tornado and then there was this economic hit? Um, and so how are we being equitable? You know, this has been my passion for years, which is it seems to me that the focus of our leadership in the city has been on communities inside of Briley Parkway. But if you were a neighborhood outside of Briley Parkway, you pretty much didn't get a lot. You right. know, there was not a lot of city assistance along there. there you know, the mayor would come show up and they would say, oh, we're going to do this project. And he'd come to ribbon cuttings and, and fundraisers. Exactly like, but there wasn't a lot of saying, OK, how do we improve the economic um, capabilities of these communities? Um, and it so is, there's a long way to go with that. And it's, you know, the problem is modern American government institutions are set up based on it's all based on a, on a lie actually right. an economic lie but they're based they're set up to improve um, some sort of 
uh, business development, economic development, mm-hmm. and they're all around this thing. And they're always giving money to economic development projects, economic development projects, as though you could go into a place like North Nashville, build an apartment building for workforce housing, and somehow or another, all the people would immediately have jobs and be able to manage right. their own stuff. And it's like, they're just ignoring all the fundamental well, problems, And but they can call it economic development, and then the state will sign off on it. Isn't it the myth of trickle-down? It is the myth of trickle-down. Right. So, that so never existed. We're going to get um, Amazon to come and we're going to then have all these jobs. Yeah, we will for people that don't live in Nashville. A lot of that's true. The other, I mean, the thing about those, like those deals where the race to the bottom thing, which they're dealing with now mm-hmm. on, um, in an overall sense, they're dealing with now federally, right? How do we deal with this corporate tax problem that we right. have in the world? Because small countries will just say, well, we'll charge you zero corporate tax. Come right. here. Um, because they need anything they can get. For right. us, it doesn't make any sense that the 10 of the top 20 companies on the Dow Jones Industrial Average didn't pay any income tax last year right. to the federal government because we don't have... Well, our problem is not our tax rate. Our problem in the United States is the exceptions. Right. So what happens with that same thing at a local level is you come in and in all of the best intentions, you have $100 million to spend on helping people that were injured by COVID-19 over mm-hmm. the past 14 months. And what you do is you come in, you give it to Bill Friedman and you create an economic development council. Right. And by the time the money actually gets to them, everybody can line up at the community center and get a $200 EBT card. Right. Right. And it's like nothing is fixed. Right. Because it's all based on a myth. Right. None of this stuff happens. Right. right. It's like coming in there, creating commissions of old white men to fix the problems of Agreed. young black men has never worked and it never will. And it never will. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. All right. right. We can talk about this for days. What we should move Didn't on. We have something on the, the list? exit in uh. the rock block. You know, I mean, listen, we're losing. Nashville has been on a decade long slide of losing everything that defines it as Nashville. Now, remember, the owner founder and operator of the I just went brain dead of the in the gulch oh um Steve Smith no. no, no, no. In the Gulch, the uh, the bluegrass venue in the oh, Gulch. Oh, yeah, yeah. J, um, what the hell's yeah. it called? I can't remember. Why J, are we J, doing J, this? JD something. Or yeah, J, right. But yeah. it's like it's like one of the few Nashville um, locations left in our in our right. city, and so that one has been so they've been a holdout at the station inn there's reason i can never think of it is because it's called something that doesn't make any sense to yeah me. But, but but the station inn in the gulch is a holdout it is surrounded now by four and five star hotels right. and restaurants that are worth millions of dollars two old hippies went out of business across the street right. which is one of the most interesting shops in all of nashville was, that went cool. out of business during the pandemic. it shouldn't have by the way it's just the guy mr bedell whose um spouse had started that with a friend uh, he was just tired of pumping money into it. I think sure. It was just a personal choice. But right. but that one went out of business. Now the station inn is up. That's going to be up I also. Might, I, thought, I thought I heard that the family was going to keep it open. Oh, they are, but they yeah. always say that. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like when we, you know, when Amazon buys a company, we're going to let it run independently. It's doing a gotcha. great job, right? And then six months later, somebody's like, it's worth what? Yeah. No. <laughs> Eight million dollars? And no, then they I, sell the property and there's going to be a, you know, yeah, it's uh, and, and now we it, have it. I'm sorry, I went yeah, off. Yeah, and, and no, it's fine. But Elliston Place uh, the, is the one of the most El- famous places. It is. I mean, it's it's the exit in. You know, it, it was 
the place. It was in the movie Nashville. It was um, for folks that's too, folks are right, too you, old. For yeah, if you can go that. back that far, right? Yeah, the Robert Altman film. But, you know, it was where lots of folks got their start. It uh, is where in the 70s and 80s you saw Jackson Brown or you saw Dan Fogelberg or you saw, or you might have seen the Smiths. The, right? Or Kansas. Can you or imagine Kansas, Kansas played there, the right? Exodus. It's like, you but, know, yeah. this is where... It was it was always the antithesis of the country music business, right? Mm-hmm. Is the rock block right with the exit in across the street was the alley, which became the end, and the gold rush, and the gold rush and the where gold you rush went has gone out of business, and it's gone. The gold rush is gone. Ellison Place Soda Shop has been moved next door. It's about to be torn down. That whole block's getting torn down. I, and then I you had know, so many memories. We we would go. Uh, uh, we would go into the gold rush about 11 o'clock. Yeah. Because, you know, back then, Nashville generally tended to close at midnight except for the, the gold rush. And so, like, all the restaurant workers would show up about 1130 to midnight, something like that. Right. And we'd just get a booth and order beer and just watch people because uh, it was the most bizarre place in the world. It was bizarre. But it was the antithesis of everything going on in Nashville. Yeah. It wasn't country yeah it wasn't conservative it wasn't all that kind of stuff it was just right you know it's right next to vanderbilt university right it's close enough to tsu meharry although at the time that i was going there you know god well, bless I, you if it, we integrated anything but it was in belmont was close-ish and all that kind of stuff but you would go there you could hear a rock show across the street and it'd be one night it'd be just a local rock band and the next night it would like you said it'd be kansas yeah. so um it was it's really a special venue they have started now a GoFundMe, which is up over $100,000 as of yesterday. Well, the issue, I think that's the problem, is that the family that is selling the property is pissed off. Correct. Because... Um, they tried to develop a Holiday Inn across the street. All right, and there that was got big, killed. It got right. killed, and so now they've sold it to a company in Chicago. Um, I will. <laughs> I did hear today that the city leaders are are basically saying, "Well, if they want to re, re, build something else there, it's going to be really hard." <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. That, and yeah. that's it. This is what I've said for a long time: is our city leaders have done the worst job of using codes to their advantage of any city, any growing. city of the United States. Yeah. It's like we're still building buildings, by the way, in Nashville, Tennessee yeah. that have been had codes approved this year mm-hmm. that don't have like a turnout in front of them. Right. Right. We have like one of the things about 505, 515 right. that Giratano built on Church Street. It's a turnout. Right. Right. At least on these teeny tiny little 1800s streets that yeah. we have in Nashville. If you're going to build a 35 story building, Put a little turnout in. Yeah, what do you would, say? That would be good. Why don't we yeah. just add it to coach? Yeah. They're building a new, they built a new hotel on Charlotte. No turnout. So here, I don't know what's going to happen there. It's right next to the freeway too. Here's the question I have for you as a Lyft driver. Yes. Now I know that there was this period early on uh, of a hotel shortage in Nashville when once we built the Music City Center. We seem to have that under control now. But, but it seems like they keep building more and more hotels and I'm yeah. trying to figure out who the people are that are coming to these things and how they're how they're at full occupancy at $250 a night. It's going to be hard to say. What's going to be interesting to see, I mean, the same thing happens like with everything, right? And one of the things I commented to somebody on three years ago is I said, you know, one of these days, Nashville is going to look like Queens does today. Right. Because you take a bunch of quickly built buildings mm-hmm. in order to house an enormous group of people that are making this massive influx into right. an area. And then you spend 10 to 20 years of putting soot 
and dust and pollen and exhaust fumes all over yeah. the outside of them. And sure, the super rich ones like 1212 Laurel is going to always look really pretty and right. 505 is going to look really pretty. Gotcha. But all those things on Charlotte, yeah. that shit's going to look like Queens, New York, oh, man. It this is, is going to look gnarly. It is. You know, and so, but I think that there was this massive hotel shortage. Right. So then they built something like 40 hotels mm-hmm. in the past three years. Sure. It's like, I think it is four. I don't know. I have to look it up again, but it was, it's a huge number. Right. And, like once again the goal of the people that were recruiting the hotels to come to town was to get our average hotel night below that of manhattan which three years ago nashville's average nightly stay had creeped above the cost of spending the night in manhattan right in new york city right not an acceptable issue right so they were trying to get it down because it really is nashville still to this day likes to think of itself as a family destination. By the way, for those of you listening, it is not. It is not. <laughs> it is or Sodom li- and Gomorrah, only with more liquor. Yeah. It all, so, no, it's, so then they all opened during the pandemic, though, right? I mean, there have been like 20 hotels open right. in the past 12 or 13 months. Sure. And every time I drive down the street, I see another one. And it's like, it seems like we're going to have another problem because remember they came here mm-hmm. and built the new hotel right because the average hotel room night was $300 right well obviously when you build 40 of them basic economic math will tell you that we're no longer going to have well, a $300 a night average room rate and they're going to have to figure out how to run a whole lot leaner and the world's going to change i mean the world has changed the reality Indeed. the reality is that some of the convention business is going to tank it's not coming back uh, you know, why do conventions when you can do everything online? I mean, there's still some advantages right. to that, but but if your if your economy is based on expense account, um, right. then it's then it's a problem. Now, yeah, it is. Uh, I just wait for the time when they put the casinos in because I think that's they're probably going to have to right yeah. if they're going to fill up these hotels and I mean, what you know, we'll do a riverboat first downtown. Yeah, I mean, we've we've joked, you know, everybody jokes about it being Nash Vegas. Yeah, but the reality is that's kind of the model we're functioning. It's it's really all we have left, right? I mean, you could put the first one either at Gaylord or you put the first one on the riverfront downtown. I don't see it happening at Gaylord because Sodom and Gomorrah is downtown. It's the strip. It's a lower Broadway strip. So I think probably the riverboat. The question is where will they give them a permit to do the first one? I know. Right? The city of Nashville is going to... One of the funny dichotomies of Nashville is that Nashville considers itself this very sort of uh, proper southern conservative southern baptist bastion mm-hmm. and but when you come here you realize that it is really like being backstage at a florida georgia line concert everywhere you go it's exactly. just a bunch of drunk people falling all over each other sleeping with strangers that's what actually occurs here. right and so <laughs> it's gonna you know was it you that that once said that uh nashville was a was a alcoholic town with a music problem or it something. is it's a, it's a drinking town with a music, music problem yeah problem yeah and it's uh, i should actually get that song and play it on an episode it's it should be our out music when we talk about stuff like this and it may be today today yeah um but it's it really is all and it always kind of has been we've always had what i refer to as the christian exception mm-hmm. it's like we're good christians we drink a little yeah you know, it's kind of like that. There's a the, meme that goes around. It's the, like, the old I'm jo- a good Christian, the old, but I cuss a little. Yeah, the old joke between, uh, you know, what, what are the difference between Methodist and Baptist? Methodists will wave at one another in the liquor store, you know. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's 
God, we get a, I love the dichotomies of Nashville. I could go on about that, but I have to tell you, it's great to be back. It's great Absolutely. to be back on the Nashville podcast. We're going to do it again. The BNA podcast will return. We will. Uh, we've had a ton of fun. We've had a bunch of technical issues because, you know, we're 60-year-old men trying to do the job. You're not quite 60 yet. I know. I'm not saying I won't it's be 60 up. next month. I'm 60. Wow. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to it because I've kind of always felt old. You know, they say we're not we're not seniors anymore. We're middle aged. I know. Like, what's up with that? You know, well, well, if they got to know us, they'd understand that we are seniors. Old curmudgeon. I want my ten percent off at McDonald's. I do, uh, and anywhere else I can get it. For and sure. uh, you know. But, you know, what a great place. And the most important thing to remember is as much as we like to complain about it, we still find Nashville to be one of the greatest places in the world to live. It is. Uh, the people are great. Uh, we're going to keep giving them a hard time. We're going to keep needling them about things they need needled about. Exactly. But I'm not looking for houses elsewhere. I can tell you that. I can tell you that as well. It's, it's been a great time. And I, we hope that you all have enjoyed this edition of the BNA Podcast. And we're out. Just a drinking time. Which is a drinking town.